Hey everybody, thank you so much for checking out today's episode of Coming Up In My Sneakers. Today we have Gail McInnes, who is a fashion communicator and brand builder, uh, and she's best known for her businesses, Magnet Creative Management and Stylist Box. So welcome, Gail. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, so we'll just jump right in. Uh, where were you born? Um, I was born in Glasgow, Scotland, uh, the Royal Infirmary there, which is fondly known as Rotten Row Hospital. Um, pretty Why? Much, well, <laughs> Glasgow's a very old city, and um, you'll hear I have a slight little lilt that comes out sometimes. I have heard it before. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, just old, old street names. So the the street that uh, that is part of the hospital is called Rotten Row. Oh my so god. So we all just call it. So where are you born? Oh, Rotten Row. Hi, me too, cuz pretty much everybody at the time was right. born there. Oh my god. Doesn't exist anymore, sadly. Aw. Um that's crazy. That's so interesting. And yeah, your accent still is like perfect when it comes out. It's funny. <laughs> um and so you like grew up there, didn't you? Yeah, I grew up in uh so I grew up in an area called uh Deniston. Um, and, uh, I moved to Canada when I was about 13, um, very shy teenager. And what brought your family over here? Well, I think, um, you know, I always kind of asked my, my parents that over the years, um, you know, why, why did you bring us here? And I think a big part was just the, the, the economy in Glasgow at the time. Um, and my parents had four daughters, four girls. So they wanted to, they wanted a better life for us. Nice. Um, and obviously, like, Glasgow's a fantastic, booming city now. Um, but in the 70s and in the 80s, it wasn't necessarily so. Um, and, yeah, we, we moved to Oshawa. Oh, nice. Um, just outside of Toronto. And, yeah, late 1989. Nice. Yeah. So when you're, as a 13-year-old, when your parents were like, okay, Gail, uh, we're moving to Canada, were you like, what? Or were you excited? I don't know. It was, it's a strange thing to kind of look back on <coughs> what you were, like how you were feeling at that time. I don't think I really processed it very well, and I didn't necessarily understand. Um, but we did have Degrassi Junior High was on the TV at the time. Right. And I do remember very vividly thinking, oh, okay, so school's going to be like that. <laughs> so when yeah. I did start, and I went to junior high, so it was uh, grade seven, and um, seven and eight, so it was, a, it was a junior high, like just for those two years. And I stepped in, and I was just like, this is Degrassi Junior High. <laughs> so I'd gone from watching it on TV to actually living it. Nice. Um, cool. But uh, yeah, it was it was a tough adjustment, especially coming, like having such a thick Scottish accent. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really hard for, for people to understand what I was saying. Yeah. Um, and there were very few people, like it was pretty wide in the school as well. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily a wide range of... You know, people from different backgrounds, different accents, and different languages and cultures. So, so for me, like I was, I guess, in a lot of ways, like kind of unique. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people would, you know, tease me for that. There was Aww. a time where people would just be like, "Hey, Scotland," and that was my name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or they'd ask me to repeat things, you know, certain words that I said oh differently, God. just so they could hear the accent. But oh. I was deathly shy. Like I think that one thing a lot of people get really. 
um, shocked at is when I tell them, it's like, I was so shy. I'm when I was also, sh- I was literally just going to say that. Like, it's so shocking to hear that because you're like the opposite of that now. But it took a long time for me to get there as well because like it was an actual like painful shyness. Like I felt it physically. Oh, wow. And um, it was just, it's like, I cannot live my life this way. And it was probably around 15, 16, I got involved with high school theater, mm. which I still like, loved. Um, but like that helped me with my confidence and just getting out there and talking to people. Like I could be with a group of my friends one-on-one and be fine. Mm-hmm. But it was just in other social gatherings, it was really hard for me to talk or if I had something to say like it was just I couldn't like whatever it was was holding me back from being able to express what I was saying like I would when I was like in my earlier teens like I would get really frustrated with myself and it would just come I would just cry because I'm like I can't this is like terrifying and um and was it uh once you had moved to Canada that that started happening or were you shy when you lived in Scotland too I was shy when I lived in Scotland but I think and but I was also becoming more confident. And um, I was in my second year of uh, secondary school when I moved here. Um, you start high school at 12 in Scotland? Like 11, yeah. What? Yeah, many- but a secondary school. So you do, um, I'm not sure if it's changed since, but you basically you do secondary school from 11 till about 16. And then you can go on to, um, there's O-levels and A-levels. It's a bit different from England too. Oh. And then you can go on to college at 16, 17, um, or you can stay on to do your A-levels to, like, advance, maybe go into, like, a university program. Holy shit. So you're, like, free from the system at 16. Yeah. Damn, that's yeah, real. And we thought it was young here, because, like, we had used to have OAC, and then that OAC, got, you yes. Know. I did the OAC. Oh, OACs. yeah, I guess you would have done it. Yeah. yeah. And then that, like, got canceled, and it's like, oh, my God, we're even younger now. How are we supposed to be I right know, now? these 17-year-old babies literally to university. It's insane. It's terrifying. <laughs> so you were extremely shy, and uh, but and theater helped. And so were you, do you – and so, like, just thinking back, do you – can you even remember the rhyme or reason, or you just remember being, like, really scared to talk about your opinion or – No, I don't – I think – I always kind of have a feeling – like at that age, like nobody really cared what I was gonna say. Mm. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, this is like weird thing, kind of thinking back. Yeah, I just I that's just valid felt like though my, because you're young, yeah. so you think like, why does anyone give a shit about? <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm just here, like just minding my own business, doing my thing, and um, but it was just it was a fear of like maybe they're gonna make fun of me, maybe th- I'm gonna say something dumb, mm. um, or or they're just not gonna want to be my friend. Right. So, and that's huge when you're, you've just moved from across the world and you're, you know, trying to integrate, like friends are a big deal. So you have to do what you have to do, or at least you think that at the time, right? Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I think I I was so incredibly lonely, even though I got three sisters, but we're all very independent. Yeah. But it was just. And where do you fall in the birth order? Are you like young, middle? I am the second oldest. Oldest. Okay, nice. And we're all about two, three years apart. And we're, yeah, we're super close. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. Jealous. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't be jealous. Nice. Um, What were we saying? Sorry. Um, Just, you were just kind of like, I don't know, just shy and figuring out. You can't, couldn't really remember like what uh even though you had sisters uh you wanted to make yeah, friends it and just, stuff 
coming here too, like just finding friends was a little difficult at first. Yeah. And even within my class, um, I was like, I love school. I love studying. Um, so I was very much into like reading the books and making sure, you know, due diligence and nice. all the Good homework and stuff, which we never had homework until I moved to Canada. Oh. So that was really interesting to me. Um, and okay, I'm, this is kind of off topic, but how do you feel about homework? Because I feel strongly. Well, I have a four-year-old boy. Oh, so that's I'm, right. He hasn't started school yet, but he will next year. He'll be four in a couple months. Um, so I just, we never had homework growing up. Um, I feel anything that's really, if it's in class, you learn during class. Like it's already like six hours of your it, day yeah. as a kid. Yeah. Why are you putting that on, you know, young kids at such a young age? And the parents, too. Yes. Because then they have to, like, figure stuff out. And, yeah. And I, I think, too, sorry, I'm, I'm like, I'm so passionate about this. I, like, people discredit how important, like, playing sports or just, like, vegging out with, like, your siblings or... Hanging out with family. Ex- or exactly. You know? And so when you have homework, like, all it causes is stress in the household because your parents are yelling at you to do it. You don't want to do it. You just already spent the six hours. Like, I totally You're agree. Exhausted. I exhausted. Yeah. It's like, I'm exhausted when I'm done work. Yeah. Like, imagine what a kid's going to be like. You, and then you're, now you have to go home and then just do more of it. And, and yeah. this time with not, with not a person to ask questions no, to. No, I'm like, going to be I'm gonna be one of those parents. I'm joining the parent-teacher committee. Nice. I'll be like making writing notes and like emails and yeah, yeah I, I think I'm against homework yeah 50, <laughs> like 15 minutes maybe but it but, but it's just I don't know if they're if they're not teaching in the if, if they're not learning through the teacher in class then why are, yeah yeah it's a it's a whole that could be another thing. podcast we'll see we'll see we'll see how it goes talk to me in a couple of years yeah exactly <laughs> Um, okay, cool. So then you started doing like theater and whatnot. And did you have any idea when you were, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16 of like what you wanted to do when you were older? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So you knew. Oh, my God. Oh, I, I pretty much almost every single thing that I've ever wanted to do, I've done. So wow. that's one of those rare things. So when I was, um, except for maybe the first thing I wanted to do. So when I was eight, I saw a movie um, called American Werewolf in London. Okay. It's a horror movie. I probably shouldn't have been watching it, but I just thought it was the funniest thing. <laughs> and I laughed. But it is it's kind of it's a quirky, funny, funny movie if you haven't seen it. But I wanted to create the zombies. Oh. So I want to be a special effects makeup artist. Oh my gosh. And I just I love like the whole aspect of using makeup to create different things. Like I would play around with my mom's eyeshadow and make fake bruises and stuff. Oh. Like, like Catalyne hit me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's terrible. There was like glitter in it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so then I when I was maybe around 11, 12, I wanted to be a fashion designer. Um, I sent off like drawings and sketches off to like contests and stuff. Oh, awesome! And, um, and uh, then I moved moved here, so I still want to be a fashion designer. Um, and then I wanted to be probably around yeah, so it'd be about thirteen. So I still want to be a fashion designer, but I also wanted to be um, a model. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also wanted to be an actor. Nice. So this was just some fun, you know, teenage years. This is also like getting into the the early 90s. So it was like 
the era of supermodels. Yes. I was obsessed with fashion television. Thank goodness for fashion television when I came here as well because it helped me learn so much about the local scene here. Yeah. Um, and there was also a, a show, Ooh La La, which really focused. It came on fashion television and at 6.30. I remember Ooh La La was on that. at 7 p.m. So that was really focused on a lot of the local side of um, the industry here. Yeah. And, and that taught me so much about a lot of the designers and the companies and the personalities were part of the fashion industry. And of course, you know, Jeannie Becker, major like icon. Um, so that helped me kind of see different aspects of it as well. So by the time I was probably around 16, that's when I decided I didn't want to do any of the things. I didn't want to be an actor. I didn't want to be a model. I wanted to work behind the scenes. Mm. You see Jeannie Becker backstage at fashion shows? Yeah. And the, talking to the designers, but then talking to the models, talking to stylists, talking to the people who are creating these shows. I'm like, I want to be the person behind the scenes, mm -hmm. creating and doing this. So there's two things that I wanted to do at that age. I either wanted to be a model agent or a fashion show uh, producer. Oh, so then exploring um, just the different um, courses and, and school programs, and then I came across the the outline for Humber College at the time. Their fashion okay. arts program was basically it's like you can learn styling, you can learn management, you can learn promotions, PR, fashion show coordination was actually a course. That is, and that's not the case anymore, right? No, it's very different They now. completely changed. That seems so much more relevant now than what the current program is now. It was, like, there was trade show management. Are you serious? Basically, every, like, I feel like every single course um, that I took through Humber College is fashion arts program I've used in my career now. Wow. So my career And like nobody can years. can say that. Like I don't know one per maybe a nurse. Yeah. But otherwise like I, I don't know, know one person I'm gonna Yeah, just from a creative aspect. It's like I wanna do this, this is what I'm doing. So my first um So you went there to, for that for that program. Yes. Okay. Oh I was so excited. Um but I had before I'd gone there as well. We had a fashion arts program in our high school, which is oh, like wow. amazing. In Oshawa. Um, in Oshawa, yeah. What yeah. the hell? Yeah, and our teacher was amazing, Mr. Fitches. And I do remember um, he had mentioned that um, if I wanted to be a fashion designer, he said, and he was super realistic, and like thank goodness for him too. Um, he said if you really wanted to be a fashion designer, you either um, chances are you're probably going to be working for somebody else um, unless your parents have a lot of money. And obviously we didn't have a lot of money. So I was like, okay, I hate sewing anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that really helped me with my career path. And then part of our project um, when I was 17 year old, 17, um, I headed up a, a fashion show. Um, wow. for the Bay in oh the my Oshawa God. Center. So I was 17, coordinating my first fashion show. And how did you get that gig? That was uh, through the school. So they so just said, like, we have It was have an somebody? assignment. Oh, my yeah. God. So I coordinated it. We had all of the people. Um, so it was all the, all the clothing from the Bay. We got to pick it out, style. It was all the students from the, That's amazing. From the program to model in the show. And then I started, and they still do it. Um, I started a fashion show fundraiser um with the proceeds going to the Can canadian cancer society wow so and what was it called i think oh gosh what did we call oh my goodness we had the th it was we called it utopian fantasy it's so 90s nice but um 
And that was you on your own, separate from the school? It was me and my friend Shannon. Okay. So we, we were very much into fashion, so we, we pitched the idea. And they still do it now. They Really? Yeah, we had... It was like a two-hour-long fashion show. It was crazy. Um, wow, that is hard but to it's do. Also, but we went to all the stores in the Oshawa Center. This would never happen now. We went to yeah. all the stores in the Oshawa Center with a letter to say, we're putting on a fashion show. Would you like to participate in it? And we had about 20 of the stores said, yeah, we'd love to. And we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but we also collaborated and with um, other fashion programs or other schools in the area to see if they had anybody who'd be interested in coming on board um so we had some other like from oshawa like o'neill and other schools and um there's a few other fashion designers showed at our fashion show that is so cool and so impressive and yeah it's so unfortunate because that wouldn't happen now it would never happen and why not like you'd think that we would be advancing um, but it sounds, and you know what, you're not the first person that I've heard that kind of grew up in that era that has told me like, not a story exactly like that, but just something in the arts that was so much more of a clear path and much more support from the city that it's just been like all taken away now. I don't know if it's like government cuts or something, but like it sucks because. But I, I think for that, I think there's such a level of innocence back then as well. Yes. So it wasn't necessarily, realize. social media has changed so so many things, right? Um, just from the access of information, also the amount of people who are like, "I'm a stylist, I'm a photographer, yes. I'm a model," and then you know they've got these Instagram profiles. So it's I feel because when I started my career in the '90s, I've seen the evolution of it, right. and I also because I have the experience and the eye to be able to see who is a true professional, I can tell you who is mm-hmm. and who's faking it. Mm-hmm. So Instagram and social media has allowed so many people to fake it to try and make it I hate the term fake it till you make it because it's like no 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 work hard and then you'll make it and then you'll make it Um, and also talent is is a huge key to that too but yeah before social media it'd be so easy just to walk up and the, the pure innocence of it all and I feel perhaps now because there's so many people who feel that you know they can do it or they can be a stylist that kind of thing that there's so many people who've ruined it mm-hmm. for the actual people who really are I, I would agree. making it yeah so that's the only thing and i guess too back then for like lack of a better sort of like way to say it is like you coming by saying hey want to be in our fashion show that might have been their only opportunity for promotion for like ever yeah. or at least you know within that year the next two years whereas like now people are getting if you're a designer you're probably getting you know approached a couple times a week to do whatever it is because there's Constantly. so much well know? we're so accessible now yeah so before then it would be either you show up a person or you call right now it's now it's like email DM. and you know you've got all these dms like twitter and facebook instagram like constantly people like texting you yeah you know i get random people and say hey can i meet you from like who are you why are you texting why do you have my number (laughs) (laughs) email me um so it's it's very it's very different so there's so much noise right now and i think it's just easier for people to say these are our, our stipulations these are our terms this is the only reason that we will commit to things and it also allows them to say no saying mm-hmm. that this doesn't fit into the parameters right um just because there's so many requests that come through now so true so you're um like this young lady producing <laughs> these fashion shows um and then so are you uh, you're at humber at this point right 
Well, that was high school. When oh, I did that the was Bay that's show. right. Oh my god! Wow. I know it's crazy. Um, yeah. So so Humber College. Um, yeah. Um, first time moving. Moving to Toronto, which oh, was very nice. cool. Um, I'd actually, I moved out of home when I was 18, my last year oh, of high awesome. school. And I was, um, I was on social assistance on welfare at the time. So when Mike Harris's government came in as well. So, um, yeah, so I was like working, always working like different jobs and things. So yes. I didn't, for me to actually get into school as well, was that, was it extra hard because I didn't think financially I'd be able to do it as well. Thank God for OSAP. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I would not. I who knows? I'd be in Oshawa, like, still or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I got to when I got to Humber, I think because I gained a little bit more confidence as well, I wasn't shy about saying this is what I want to do. Right. So I tell people like, I want to be a model agent or I want to be a fashion show coordinator. And those were still like the main things that you were. Those are the things I wanted to do. Within a year, I've done both. Oh my god! Tell so, me the story. I know. <laughs> so one of my teachers, um, she's still she was my favorite teacher at Humber, um, Carol Ann Oregon, very good friends with Erica Larva, oh. and they would coordinate fashion shows together. Excellent. So I used to assist Car- Carol Ann and um, and Erica. Wait, Ca- hold on. I I recognize this name, but then I'm like I don't know. But I'm pretty sure where she lives in, in like does she kind of live close to here? Yeah. Okay, so this is my friend's aunt. Get out. Like one of my closest friends, Stella. You always have somebody like linked like some random thing. I know, right? Isn't that so weird? <laughs> and it's the best part is is I, I she's like one of my best friends. I love her to death. But she's like my aunt does something in fashion. I just never know what it is. That's amazing. And she's been trying to get me um, just to even meet her for like so long. And oh, she's so great. Yeah, that is so funny. Yeah, so her, so uh, is her name Carol Ann or Carolyn? Carol Ann. Carol Ann. Yeah. So her brother is uh, my friend's dad. Oh my gosh. How That's funny amazing. is that? I love this small I know, right? Sorry, I just was like paused on that name for a second because I've never heard Larva ever. Um, as, uh, other than my my friend who has that last name as well. So anyway, that's so funny. Um, Continue. So yes, so so I was assisting them backstage, getting paid to dress models, which now, basically, there is no such thing as a professional dresser. Right now, it's just interns. Exactly, get their hours for school. Yeah, so nobody's getting paid. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, I was a professional dresser, getting paid backstage, and then helping, assisting with different shows. So we used to do. Oh gosh, there was different. I, there was Harry Rosen did um, shows with Erica, um, and Hugo Boss, dressing shows, um, like mall shows. I think Square One and the Oshawa Center. Oh my um, God. And then so started out dressing, and then I was calling the models backstage. Oh so my God! Like that was my fir- within the first year, like. I hadn't even graduated. I was wow. doing this. So it was really And, like, cool. did your teachers just have these connections, I guess, and then kind of... Well, there was Car- it was Carol Ann. Oh, who, right. Who okay. helped coordinate that. And, sorry, how did you was, know her again? Just through the, She was my school. teacher. Oh, she was your... Oh, my God. That's amazing. So, um, yeah. And then, um, and then from there, um, one of my classmates, Jen, she was working in the kids division of a, a modeling agency. Okay. And then she told me um, that they were looking for an intern for the men's division. Oh, okay. So I interviewed um, with Sue Jane, 
um, who um, ended up becoming one of my mentors and brought me on uh, internship. Um, It was three months interning. It's my first year. Um, And I ended up staying there for almost six years. Wow. Yeah. So after... After three... Interning for the whole time or... No, no, no. Oh, oh gosh, no. Okay. <laughs> three months. Okay, so this is this is intern. I can talk about interning too. So with this internship, it was once a week for three months. Okay. That was it. Okay, that's not And bad. it was full day, eight hours every Monday. And then from there, you were done. But then they hired me afterwards. Nice. Um, and I worked there part-time while I finished school. And then they hired me full-time afterwards. Beautiful. So not only so, and that counted towards my internship, even though oh I was getting God. paid too. So I was like, wonderful, amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, so I ran. Um, I was the men's booker there um, with all these fabulous men. Nice. And um, Brad Goreski, I used to represent oh. him. Stephen Amell, who just finished up uh, Arrow, so I used to be his agent too. I don't know if I know Arrow. Yes, on the CW, hugely popular. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Excellent. And um, and then I also, because I'm the type of person where I like to do multiple things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I um, I started the company newsletter. We called it The Goss. Oh, so basically cool. just updating the models of everything that was going on. Um, and I would just, I would photocopy it. So I would cut and paste it. Oh my God. How To make it look like a newsletter. And I would do little illustrations and drawings on it. That's so smart. It's so it was so. But this is also before websites, right? And I think we might have just had one email address that we all shared. <laughs> I would fax. Yeah, we would be faxing updates to clients about who's in town this week. Um, and uh, and then I also um, ran um, towards the the last couple of years that I was there. I ran a, a real people division. So we had... Oh, so like for print and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, so it's called the casting sheet. Um, and I had a roster of about 120 people. Wow. So people of all ages, um, you know, we had teenagers, all the way, but not kids, but teenagers all the way up to people, I think my oldest I ever rep, somebody in their 80s. Oh, wow. And how did you just go ahead and like start this? Like, I feel like you're just innately very... Well, I didn't start the division. I, I grew the division. Oh, okay. But it was, it was a small... It's a small kind of um, category, and it was more so just because during that time, that's when clients were looking more so for, you know, that term, real people, real like people. industry terms, real people, yes. as opposed to fashion models. Okay. Um, and they also, by them book, using and booking people that were, weren't necessarily fashion models, they could get them at a lower rate. Oh, okay. And also get more interesting faces, because okay. advertising was moving away from that whole perfect, beautiful, model-esque type yeah. of person, you started to see more just regular people. Yeah. Um, the majority of them were performers and actors, um, but we did have a, a number of people who had really unusual skills. Like, I represented a, a contortionist. Oh. Um, I had a fire fire eater on oh there, my God. circus performers. Awesome. Um, so there's a huge, wide range of uh, different talented people. Nice. So, yeah, that's uh, that was an amazing time. It was um, it was such a, a cool time in the industry. Yeah. As well. Um, and you were essentially side by side doing both of the things that you had set out to do. Yeah, within so a year. That's awesome. Cool. 
Before I graduated. Before you graduated. And then, like, and then you you stayed on, right? So were you still doing like the modeling um, or the real casting sort of stuff, or like what happened after you graduated? Because now you have all the time. Yeah, so after graduating, just working at the agency there. Okay. Um, and so that's you know six six years long, and then um, and just thinking of you know with the newsletter and just writing and things, I'm just like I want to write for magazines. Mm-hmm. So that was my next thing. Nice. So I left Armstrong. I gave them two and a half months notice because because I'm like I don't want to leave you guys alone. That's um, nice. So so yeah, I just I went back to school. Went back to uh, George Brown. I was temping during the day, and um, and uh, studying at night. So doing writing for magazines. I wanted a de- te- desktop publishing to learn Photoshop oh. and layout and things too. Awesome. Um, and uh, and then I got a I got a call from the temp agency, um, for a potential job, like a full time job or just like a temp one. It was supposed to be temp. Okay. So I had um, actually no, I called them to check in to see because it had been a couple of days, and I was like, hey, is there anything going on? And they said, oh well, there's there's only one thing that's come through, but it's it's below. Um, it's below your rate, and it's not in an area that you've been working in. And I was like, "Well, what is it?" They're like, "Oh, it's for it's for an office manager position at the Toronto Fashion Incubator." Oh, and I'm like, "Excuse me?" He's like, oh, "Have you not looked at my resume?" Yeah. Well, what what did ha- what I guess because of the jobs they'd be giving me, which was like data entry, and yeah. receptionist kind of thing, and filling in. And I was working at an insurance company. I was working at a financial company. Um, just random temp things. But yeah fashion I guess they hadn't really registered um so I'm like no I'm gonna do it yeah, yeah I'm done I'm good so it was supposed to be temp for about I think two months um and um I got offered the job of course awesome. so that turned into as a program and communications coordinator um and working with Susan Langdon who okay. is um still highly it, right yes yeah, she does yeah. so she's been over she's been there for over 20 years and um yeah, and huge mentor for me. She's taught me nice. so much, and she's one of the kindest, sweetest people. She is, like, so kind. I, I've met her a couple times, too, because I think I'm actually still a member there, to be honest. Cool. But, um, yeah, so nice. Such a nice uh, and patient. Yes. Because I feel like a lot of peop- a lot of uh, sort of senior people in the industry are, like, just very fast-paced, not even on purpose, but it's just, like, the industry has to be that way, and I found her to be, like, very patient and, like, yeah, takes time. Very, yeah, Even yeah. keel. Yeah, she's amazing. She's amazing. Nice. So I stayed there for a year. Awesome. And what was great about that is learning more so of the designer side of things. Um, so, you know, just learning how they set up their business at the time. Um, who was there? Juma was working out of there. Don't Arthur Mendoza, who uh, used to assist David Dixon. So these are all, this is around 2002. Okay. So in the early, the early noughties. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, it was it was an amazing time. And were, just, you, were you getting like any itches to design possibly again, or were you like, no, nah, I like to produce and stuff? No, I became really interested more on helping the designers get their names out there. Okay. Um, and and just developing like friendships with these designers and learning more um, about how they operate their business and how tough it is. Um, 
for a designer. Like, it was really hard then. Like, it's still it's yeah. easier for designers now because of social media. But yes. back then, there was no Facebook even. Mm-hmm. Um, MySpace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Friendster, high five. Yeah. Um, if you MSN. know any of those. Yeah, I do, I do. And um, ICQ. Yep, <laughs> I was just going to say that too. <laughs> and um, I don't even think you could have, I don't even think you could post pictures or send pictures on ICQ. I think oh, it was just no. text. And like, just text. the birth of the emoji was ICQ yes. as well. <laughs> it was like, here's a smiley face. Yeah. Whoa, that's so cool. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, and then I, I actually got approached by another modeling agency because they had had somebody had just left there, so they were looking for somebody to take the position. So to coordinate and stuff, right? To to be to back to be a model agent again. Okay. So I did. Okay, nice. And um, continued. I've still been um, involved and with the Toronto Fashion Incubator since then. But um, yeah, I was just itching that whole talking to people and just the fast-paced set of, you know, being a model agent, which is incredibly rewarding, but probably still one of the toughest jobs that I've ever had. Really? Um, and how so? Well, you're just, you're dealing with so many different personalities um, and, and needs, and everything has to be done right away, and there's such a sense of urgency, but it's also just maintaining relationships with people and making everybody happy. Right. Um, negotiations was always my favorite thing. Negotiating, like, okay, so client. this is what, yeah, make the client happy, but also make sure <clears throat> the model's getting paid fairly. Um, and also setting the terms of, like, what usage terms of what they can do and not do and and drawing up <clears throat> contracts and reviewing any agreements. Um, so that was always, yeah, it's just... Always something new and interesting going on. Nice. So I, lo- I love that. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, and then I, after Platino, and after that, then I was at Platino. Okay. Which is before they had a modeling agency. Um, so I was an artist rep there. Yeah, because now they they rep, like, uh, like artists, right? Like stylists and makeup artists and stuff? Yeah, so that's how they started. Oh, okay. So, because, yeah, I've heard of Platino Models, too. So Yeah, so Platino Models came on when Ford closed its agency in Toronto. Oh. So then um, a couple of the agents there and mer- um, merged. So then Platino Models is now the division. But I wasn't okay. there when that happened. Okay. Um, that was maybe around 2010 oh, or so. Oh, so, like, rather recently, sort yeah. of. Yeah, so it's not, you know, I, I think some people, I, I think I had heard some rumors from people saying that, Apparently, I had gone to Platino and took a bunch of models. It's so it's so interesting oh that you hear God. rumors that get back to you. Yeah. Because um, I'm like, well, obviously not, because there wasn't even a modeling agency there. <laughs> but when I when I was leaving Armstrong, one of the one of the best rumors that I heard was that I was leaving. That was the first agency. It was called Armstrong. I was leaving Armstrong to go open up my own kids' agency. It's yeah. like, no, I not, would never do that. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, r- rumors are funny. Yeah. Um, they are interesting when you actually hear them. You're like, what? And then you have to, like, do the math to, like, try and figure out how the hell. Yeah, but it's also, that, how did that start? Yeah. And why would somebody say that? So, obviously, somebody assumed something at some point, yeah. and it became somebody's fact in their head. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Platino was amazing. Like, I worked yeah. with um, Diana Corelli and um, Nancy 
um, who now have their own artist agency called Page One. Which I'm also familiar yes, with. I love them. Um, and that was just that was just such a cool like working dynamic and just really really awesome um and so sorry i i'm like slow right now so you they're they're still just models at this point or are they rep they're repping artists just artists just no oh models. no models yes so just I fashion feel, stylists celebrity oh, hair makeup artists i feel like stylists. they did the opposite i don't know why in my head they've they started with models and then they were doing that afterwards i don't know no. why i think that it's like hard for me to understand that that was not the order yeah so platina's probably been around like a good 20 years or yeah so. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. And they've just been doing models for the past decade, I would say. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, <coughs> sorry. Yeah. So I was a platina for about a year and a half, but then um, I had uh, reconnected with an old high school friend, um, and uh, she was an actor, and we were just going out. She was an up-and-coming actor, um bit parts and shows and things and um I just kind of naturally fell into almost being her personal publicist but without getting paid uh, <laughs> so I was getting her invited to events sitting front row at fashion shows and um and we were just like out and about constantly um I'd also started my fashion blog um oh back in 2005 so I was like part of this crew of like the first fashion yeah. bloggers in Canada um like the first wave because it would have been yeah 2005 it was called um the style box oh was nice. the name of my blog um that evolved into my first business called the, the style, style box oh I thought it was the stylist was, oh no, this is the first, first business. Oh, okay sorry so essentially so the style box was um Opened in 2009. Closed in 2009. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a <laughs> rough year. And um, so essentially, um, it was essentially a, a, it was all Canadian designers. So this is, a, this is like my brilliant, like actually a really good idea. Um, we're the first rental showroom in Canada. Okay. Um, before Rent Frock Repeat. Rent Frock right. Repeat opened the year after. Okay. Um, and um, so it was all Canadian designers. Um, strictly um, by invitation only um, for celebrities to wear on the red carpet. Nice. So they could come and we would style them in outfits and then they would go to their events, get their photos taken. So it was a win-win. So essentially, I, how and kind of how I look at everything now is that, you know, does it benefit everybody involved? Mm -hmm. So with that, it's like helps the designers because they're getting their work out there. People are hearing about it. Benefits this, the celebrities' personalities, mostly locals. Um to find really great outfits, but they're also supporting um, supporting the local talent as well. Nice. So that was, um, yeah, that was a business partnership, and um, and it didn't didn't work out. So we Aww. closed it, um, which which definitely like broke my heart, um, just because the whole concept, everything was just so brilliant, and our uh, launch was so successful. I feel like even maybe like. Obviously, the year was the worst year ever, but I feel like it might have even been a little bit ahead of its time for the city. Do you think that? I think, I don't know, possibly, but I do know that it kind of started a lot of uh, PR agencies opening up their own showrooms oh. for stylist to come pull things. So that was an interesting thing to kind of watch because I don't think anybody would necessarily, like, Burl had something, 
yeah, it's just, but it's also like the nature of like how everybody evolves. So I don't think it was necessarily unique worldwide because I'm pretty sure there was something perhaps like that in LA or yeah, um, or in New or York, like I'm sure. Europe or something. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's not, but perhaps no. I think it was. I think it was perfectly timed. Oh, okay. It was. There was. Because it's also as social media was growing as well, so people are wanting that content to put out there. Yes, and also there were more events happening, mm-hmm. and because because of the bloggers, so essentially a lot of people were like, "We must have a launch for this." So it was the time right. when people would have a website, and they would let's have a launch party. We have a website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like that whole wave of like, let's get people out. Um, you know, the whole like, what's the hashtag for this event? Because everybody was on Twitter. Yeah. Um, so, and uh, like, I I still don't know anybody who in the fashion industry in Canada who was on Twitter before me. So I joined in March two thousand and eight. I joined in two thousand and eight as well. Told, October though. Yeah, March. I'm like, I mm-hmm. feel like there was a wave like at the end of the year, like October, November, when a lot of people started joining, and then we would live tweet things like Project Runway Canada. It's like, it's like all the hashtags for things. Nice. I met so many, so many friends. Nice. Um, through Twitter. It was amazing. That is awesome because that's also not really the way anymore either. No, it's not because then the celebrities joined and media mm-hmm. joined. And yeah, it's a very, very different world now. Totally. But um, yeah, but um, yeah, the Stylebox was awesome like when it was happening. Um, but I feel like you sort of revived it because I'm not going to give away what happens next yeah, or whatever. Yeah, that was cool. So I launched Magnet Creative Management Okay, February the 5th. Um, 2010. Okay. So we're coming up on our 10-year anniversary. Wow, congrats. And thank you. It's also February the 5th. It's an interesting date also because it's my baby sister's birthday. Oh, okay. And it's also my son's birthday. Stop this yeah. now. Isn't that crazy? Oh, my gosh, that is. Yeah, and he was 10 days late, so I feel like he was, like, holding on. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's so cool. So, But it's also, like, kind of wild thinking now. I've had my PR company now for... 10 whole years and that is wild because that's a long time yeah it's Um, amazing though but it's the industry's so different from when I started as well like it's more back then it was all Twitter and what was great about that too was everybody was so eager to post on Twitter everybody's um, followers were growing it was so easy to figure out who had fake followers because somebody had developed an, an app so you could go in and say how figure out how many people were like bots that were following them right. so then you're like oh that person's off my list now yeah where was with instagram you don't necessarily you don't those tools are very hard to yeah. find um so you basically just have to use your judgment to figure out who is authentic or not or not yeah and um yeah, Magnet. It's been amazing. So I, what, sorry, what What made you go from Stylebox to, I'm going to do PR? The designers kept, um, they were approaching me, asking me, okay, well, st- the, the Stylebox isn't around anymore, but I, I want somebody to do PR for me. Oh, okay. And um, to do fashion shows and to, you know, invite people to my pop-up, invite people to a launch. Okay. Um, so I, st- I just started doing that. Nice. It was um, so it was like the people's demand almost. Yeah, and it's one I've never. It's all been like pretty much the majority of my clients have all been referrals. Awesome. It's never been me approaching people. Um, I'm still like pretty shy with that or not. I'm just like I'm here if you if need you me. need me. <laughs> um, so so yes, yeah, so if anybody needs PR, <laughs> um, but, but uh, 
yeah, it was just amazing. Like I was doing, um, you know, Toronto Fashion Week shows, um, like offsite shows, launches, and just having like a blast doing it. And and I think also like from going out to events and meeting with people. Um, and also, because I was writing for magazines, I had my blog too, but I also was writing for magazines. Um, and also, I wrote for Huffington Post, Global News. Nice. Um, I did, I have written um, for flair.com. So, literally, so like, everything you've set out to do, you've everything done. Everything I set out to do, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, then what I did when I launched, so the whole goal when I um, started Magnet was to. Um, was to reopen the showroom within three years. Okay. In 2013, April 1st, Stylist Stylist Box launched. Ah, I love it. Isn't that crazy? That's amazing. So that was um, a whole friendship um, that had grown um, through uh, with Christian Dare, my business partner with Stylist Box. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, And just his, like, his background and expertise, too, was more on the the retail side of fashion. Okay. Whereas mine was all the the marketing and promotion side of things. So I told him, I was like, okay, I have this idea, but the only way it is going to work is with a partnership, because I'm still, like, I've got my, you know, magnet creative, so there still needs to be a balance with that. Um, And just his background, it was perfect melding of like two minds and, and worlds and, and concepts so stylus box um, amazing launched and for everyone listening who doesn't know what stylus box is it's basically the style box wasn't it sort of the similar it's, it's evolved now so essentially when we launched it um so it's, it's almost like the style box like redux um okay. because it essentially it was what i wanted the style box to evolve into and um, it was really fashion showroom. Designers would have their sa- house, their samples there, and it would be available for a stylist to come and pull for shoots for magazines, as well as um, celebrities could come in and um, borrow things to wear to red carpets. Nice. And then every year we do uh, a pop-up um, celebrity styling suite. So okay. then we bring on additional designers. The celebrities come in, it's either their stylist or, the, or them themselves coming in to pull items for all the red carpets that happen during TIFF because there's so many so events. Many. Oh my God. So it's a great opportunity for designers to get so much exposure, get beautiful content um, through editorials for their Instagram, and as well have, have built a celebrity uh, clientele, which is like so key from a PR perspective. Yeah. Where, you know, to build that interest for other media outlets and for customers and for retailers as well having those key components especially as a as a young designer if you don't have that full budget to pay a PR retainer ongoing mm-hmm. with Stylus Box it was an attainable um, retainer so it wasn't nice. you know thousands of dollars every month um, but also the ROI was so huge on it too yeah amazing and like of course I've been there many times and visited and it's like you know there's not really anybody else either that's doing it which is amazing so the showroom the showroom um we ended the showroom portion of it the end of September yes so we don't have our physical showroom anymore um and this is more so just looking at how are we going to cater to the industry now? Mm-hmm. So we are in the new year. Well, we will have some announcements. Oh, excellent. Um, but we will be doing, focusing more on um, brand pop-ups. Nice. Um, and, um, and 
you know, connecting, obviously, like, still connecting brands with uh, celebrities, influencers, media stylists nice. as well. Yeah, I think pop-ups are really... I think we even have talked about this briefly. Like, I think pop-ups are definitely, like, not necessarily the end-all, be-all future, but, like, within the next couple of years, I think that's really what people are... Because it's experiential. Everyone wants an experience. And, and there's also a lot of brands are moving away from the wholesale side of things and are going direct to consumer. Because they can. Yeah. And, and that's why pop-ups are going to really be the driving force. Yeah. Unfortunately, what it's going to end up doing is you're going to see a lot of empty storefronts. Yeah. So that's, I think that's the one thing that's going to be impacted. So I think anybody who is, you know, a landlord of, of you know, or an owner of retail space is like looking to see how they can adapt exactly. to the changing market as well. So it's going to be... It's really interesting to kind of see how pop-ups evolved because pop-ups really started in probably New York, I think, around the zeros, and um, and they've just kind of grown from there. Yeah, um, I've been studying pop-ups for a long time. I have private um, retail clients um, that I do research for. Oh, awesome! Yeah, so. So just studying that over the past um, 15 years has been really interesting. That would be, yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, how has PR changed in the 10 years you've been doing it? Oh, PR is so different. I feel like I work so much harder than what I did before. Oh. Um, because before, it was just a key set of people. Um, you know, all, all your, your print magazines, publications, and bloggers too. So with bloggers, they would... You know, you'd have an event and you would get they would post about it they would talk about it and then the magazines would do something um, online content because a lot of the magazines would just do the magazines so then also, then now the magazines have their content um, online content and then you've got social media mm-hmm. so now it's harder to get the space in publications. Bloggers aren't necessarily covering the events. They're focusing more on their individual yes. style as opposed to so it's personal style blogs now. Um, I feel that there will be a resurgence, um, and I've seen it as well. Like A lot of like, bloggings kind of come back a little bit more as people are retaining more control over the content and not necessarily the platforms that they're using. Because if yeah. you look at the algorithms with with Instagram, that's changing so much. And um, and um, so it's not necessarily going to be... Yeah, it's a new future. It's very cool to see and kind of yeah, see the I evolution of it. But now for PR, it's, it's not just about the media outlets. It's also looking, it's like, how can we spread and how can we do things in an innovative way to spread the word about your brand? Mm-hmm. So this is where... For example, you know, I had an event for um, the official launch of Leone Napoli menswear um, brand based out of Toronto. Yes, that was like last night or the night it was before, last right? Night. Last night, yes. Hugely I successful. Oh, good. I saw it all over social media, and oh. I was like, oh, I wasn't able to. Thank oh. you for the invite, though. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. For, thank you for following along <laughs> online, which yes. is the key. So you have an event like that, and you you invite a curated list every single time. I don't have like a set base of like who I'm sending things to um but I do every single time I curate lists nice we'll handpick the people that will be invited um because a reflection of the brand there's something that connects them somehow that like this will be something that will be of interest to them Mm -hmm. and then from there I mean they're the ones who help spread the word yeah of the event they share it on social media so ensuring that you know when the photos come in then I'll 
send that off to everybody who attended the event and then they're going to post it on their feed because obviously we have a professional photographer they're going to take great photos everybody wants great photos of themselves because that's content so mm -hmm. if I'm providing people with content that they can use that's my job now as PR okay. um, so it's not just informing the media of here are the facts with this here are the images for you to use now it's I'm providing content for as many people as possible to help continue to spread the word for my clients nice excellent i wanted to ask you something um about oh about bloggers yeah i, I would be interested to i mean you don't have to reveal your research but um I am interested to see really what's going to happen with that because for a while there, everyone on Instagram was a blogger and I would actually come across pages that I liked and I was like, oh, I want to like read your blog. And then there was just no, there was no website. They would just think that because they had some outfit photos or whatever on Instagram that they were a blogger. But I'm like, I don't think these people realize like, no, you have to like write articles and like actually like link stuff. And like so many people for a while, like didn't even have a website in their bio that you could click and go to. So it was kind of like, okay, whatever. But, but I see what you're saying. Like I've seen a little bit more of that come back now with some of the people that have maybe like stood the test of time, but like, where do you see sort of like blogs and things like that going? Well, it's just, it's going to be more, um, just stories. And people be more personable, personal, and also transparency. Yeah, because I think with the whole influencer age, which now they're getting out of, thank goodness. Because really, if you think about, you know, what is influence? It's somebody recommending something, and then you're like, oh, that sounds cool. I'm gonna get it. Yeah. So you know, like your sister could be like influence. influence your yeah. brand choice decisions. Um, Micro influencers, you know, are, are definitely you get to see more of that, um, and it's it's really about you know quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of if looking at other PR campaigns, you can kind of see, you know, they're using the same influencers um, that others are without looking at their stats. So right. if you've got somebody who's got over a hundred thousand followers, but then they've only got two comments on it mm -hmm. yeah like that's obvious and a hundred likes mm -hmm. so the percentage of engagement is is way off yeah um and now because the likes are disappearing yeah or, so you can look on desktop and see everybody's like oh i guess so mm -hmm. i guess so <laughs> it's funny because in the u.s they still fully have them but here in canada we've I, like i my likes disappeared maybe five or six months ago and i've like forgotten about it now i'm just like oh i kind of like it better it's nice i don't care yeah it's nice because it's also like why are you posting exactly are you just posting for likes or are you posting it because you just want to share this photo you, yeah exactly and who are you posting for yeah Really, it's like post for your friends. Yeah, you know, like that is the authentic way. Yeah, like all these people spending so much money in hiring a photographer to take all these professional shots, spending yeah. all this money on like nicer cameras and lighting and yeah, and then photoshopping things. It's like that's so much work. So much work. So much work. So it's gonna be this will be interesting. Well, it's also if you look too, it's like. Street style photography it was such a big thing. Like it started like Tommy Tom's career, mm -hmm. um, like super super sweet guy, and I was a fashion designer. Um, oh, so but nobody really street style is not like a thing so much anymore. Yeah. Um, 
I still love, like proper street style. I love it too. But it was also, I think what happened also with Instagram and the rise of the influencer um, is that people started dressing inauthentically. So they would show up to fashion week. Right. Not wearing something they would normally wear. Yeah. And they were trying to push the envelope. Yes. And I call it peacocking. Because (laughs) it's more like they're just trying to put on a show. So you'd see these people dressed in these outlandish outfits that you know for sure that they probably would never ever wear. Yeah. And they'd be peacocking outside the tents during fashion week just because they want somebody to take their photo. Yeah. And then you've got all these street style photos so they think people were like this isn't interesting anymore yeah because it's not authentic everyone's flexing yeah it's It's like the more authentic you know as soon as it catches on and other people think that they can grab a piece of it it loses its authenticity and then moves forward and then the next wave will come eventually and then people will catch on to that and then it'll lose its authenticity and then it'll cycle through again um which is yes it just it's trends trends are so interesting and just to kind of see how everything has evolved yeah like even just as i've been in the industry now like just just over two decades yeah so just kind of see how that's evolved like pre-social media um everything you know everything on the telephone nobody has cell phones yeah us completely constantly being plugged in and expected to be posting all the time yeah expected to post all this content so I feel you're going to see people posting less as well especially like Instagram they won't post as often yeah and there'll be better content that's going to be out there I think so too even myself I took like not a break but I kind of like for the last three weeks I was just like I'm like you know what I'm really not going to pressure myself at all to do any stories um and whatever and fuck it and we'll see what happens and like there was a day I'll never forget the first day that I didn't have a story and that was the first time I hadn't had a story since Instagram stories came out and I was like (gasps) and then like no this is why I'm doing this is because I don't need to have one all the time like it's gonna be okay and I kind of got back like a little bit more into like doing my regular thing but I took about three weeks to just be like I don't care like what I'm just gonna chill and whatever and it was it was like very cleansing and very uh, nice because there, you don't realize almost the pressure that there is until you don't until you just like don't give into it and then you're like holy shit I was under like a lot of pressure yeah. and you know and we're doing it to ourselves yeah like, that's we really and are each other because our perceptions of ourselves are so different from what is actually out there exactly and I think once we kind of relax into ourselves. Um, then everything becomes a little bit easier. Yeah. I always always like to kind of look at, you know, what am I going to think of myself 10 years from now? Oh, that's smart. And then look back. So if you think about yourself 10 years ago from today, mm-hmm. and then just think about, like, all the things that you worried then. I, I know, And then look right? back and just be like, oh, my God, like, I was, like, totally cute then. And I thought <laughs> it was, like, fun. And I thought this. Yes. And, you know, it's like you may have a couple, like, outfit choices that you might you know are here but like that was the era and everyone's gonna have those same choices but it's just looking back saying you know I was really hard on myself it's like look how much you accomplished yeah you know in those years and then just kind of relax you know 10 years from now I'm gonna look back and just be like yeah like you were doing some really great stuff awesome shit yeah um but yeah people's perceptions of you are completely different and um yeah just relax be yourself yeah it's so true 
Okay, so before I let you go, um, I wanted to ask you about, uh, I want to ask, like, you, I know you're so involved with um, Toronto Fashion Week, and I, I know the last, I love to, like, talk to other designers and people that are involved with it, because there's such different opinions from everybody, and um, because obviously, especially being in, in this industry for 20 years, you've seen, you know, the start, stop, the rise, mm -hmm. the fall, the, the men's, women's, blah, 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 like, there's been so many things, like, can we, as a city, just pick a, fa a fashion week and like put ourselves on the map we've because okay I, as a city we've put ourselves on the map like to be you know a world-class city but the and most world-class cities have a fashion week right we are the only city in my opinion that hasn't managed to figure it completely out yet and why is that and yeah, but do we need to okay that's a great do we question need to? like art fashion shows and fashion weeks aren't necessarily the way to sell and promote brands okay like it used to be so traditionally if you think of like the older cities and fashion weeks and how that all kind of evolved it's a relatively new thing right um you know obviously like paris fashion week and then milan and then london and then new york um we don't necessarily need a fashion week but I think it's definitely a great promotional tool, depending on the brand. Okay. So if it works for the brand and if it's in with what their objectives are and their strategic um, plan, then fashion weeks are fantastic. Fashion shows are great. But it's also making sure that who is in that room are the right people who need mm -hmm. to be in the room. <clears throat> so it's not necessarily media covering it. And you'll also find with um, Canadian media, a lot of their fashion week coverage tends to be international exactly so they're not they're looking internationally for the trends when they really should be looking at what's happening here yeah because toronto doesn't necessarily have a very distinct style that is marketable and easily captioned and branded it's so eclectic so toronto in a lot of sense it's the world mm -hmm. and this is the future of the world and we're we're trendsetting without knowing it, right? So you have brands that are perhaps doing um, presentations and pop-ups, and I think this is the really great way that Toronto Fashion Week has evolved. Is that they've got the marketplace, which is great for designers to get to meet these and, and see these brands, and sometimes actually meet the designers directly. So you've got that aspect, and then you've got these different venues where you've got runway shows, the big opulent you know, ROM shows, but then you've got small intimate showroom shows as well. So there's flexibility within there for each of the designers to do something different and something that fits into their brand mm -hmm. also. Um, and that's essentially like, that's the future of fashion is each brand, let's not look at what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. Let's look at what's right for us and do something that's different from everybody else. And something that just logically makes sense. Right. And it's a little bit different, mm -hmm. but still authentic. Yeah. Because I just wonder, I can't help but wonder, because like, I, I know it too, like everyone is looking, especially in Toronto, we're looking to New York and we're looking to probably like Paris and London. Um, but I always wonder, I'm like, I think, I wonder if that's because we don't have like what you just said, a branded, strong like fashion week or like thing here in the city well, you know if you, I mean? even if you think like vancouver so if you were thinking like vancouver fashion week you're thinking probably a lot of you know eco yeah friendly i think like boating sustainable for some reason no but it's just like just 
chill, cool, casual. Yeah. Like that's kind of like their thing, their brand. Montreal fashion has a very distinct aesthetic. True. So it's just kind of like that cool girl, mostly black and like interesting like shapes and things. Um, Toronto is just so eclectic. Yeah. Because we've got such a huge marketplace here too. Yeah. And like every culture. Yeah. So you, you have, like, you, you'll see somebody, you know, Indian-inspired um, garments collections going down from, like, somebody like Manny Gisal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got your opulent, beautiful um, evening wear from Narses. And then you've got cool, like, vegan from Hillary, Hillary McMillan. Yeah. So it's, it's such, it's we're just a reflection of what's going on around the world right? in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, Fashion Week, like, the first fashion show's that I went to was Matinee Fashion Foundation. So they would do three-day shows, and those were tents that were up on. So this would be, like, the late 90s. Um, so they had tents up on um, Bloor Street, where okay. Pottery Barn is now. Oh. And um, and then the very first Toronto Fashion Week, um, when Robin Kay was at the helm. What um, year was that? That would have been 2000, I think it was. Oh, okay. 1999, no. 2001, actually, I think it is. Oh, wow. Um, so I was a model agent at the time, and uh, David Dixon used to do menswear. Yes, I remember that. And I've actually been... I started going in 2007. Oh. So I, was he still doing menswear in 2007? I believe so, because I've been to one oh, of his show, yeah. shows, yeah. And, um, yeah, that would have been L'Oreal Fashion Week at yes. Nathan Phillips Square. Yes, exactly. I good memories. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was at the Windsor Arms. Oh, nice. Yeah, I remember Tian Lee had shown there, and he used to do these beautiful, like, opulent couture gowns um, that he would sell mostly to women in, in Dubai. Oh. Yeah. And, um, yeah, different time. Like, it was such a small, and it was all industry. Yeah. So as soon as bloggers kind of came on the scene with Toronto Fashion Week, then it became, like, bigger. So then you had the tents of, like, 800 people. Yeah. Now... Now with them um, with the venues like the ROM is maybe like four hundred people or they did it in in the pop up the, the old anthropology store that was capacity there was maybe two hundred yeah it was maybe. like much smaller yeah so it's just it's different We're but I like, think everybody just needs to look to see what works for them and who do you want in that room who are the key people true because it's not the same people that used to be yeah it used to be strictly the buyers would come then they would decide what would be in the stores but toronto fashion week was always late like well past the buying season so it was oh, more for media okay um now it's like on calendar so it's just before the rest of the international fashion weeks but um interesting yeah, it's always evolution is mm-hmm. the best thing yeah. it's the most interesting thing Very about interesting. the fashion industry Excellent. Um, okay, so before I let you go, tell me about the shoes you brought here today, your favorite footwear. So these are, are I very rarely wear them, but okay. they are um, Wonder Woman Converse. Amazing. That I found, I think, on eBay. Wow. So it was limited edition. And, um, yeah, I very rarely wear them because I don't want them to get them dirty. Yeah, and, like, especially in the winter. Like, it has to be, like, a dry summer day. Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, yeah, I just love them. I love Wonder Woman. You know, it's the original, like, cartoon um, version of it. And they're just, they're fun. And who doesn't want to be Wonder Woman, yeah. really? Yeah, and it's funny. You actually have very Wonder Woman-y hair and makeup vibes right now as well. <laughs> and for those listening, you can go to the Instagram and, ch- and check out the photos of what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, okay, cool. So you just love them. and 
yeah, they're just cool, and I love yeah comic books and yeah, awesome. Um, and what's one piece of advice you could give to somebody who might be walking a similar path to yours? Ah, take time to have time to yourself. Um, this uh, the industry is so fast paced, and you're continually needing to um, be on top of everything else that's going on. Um, but yeah, taking moments just to relax and empty your brain and your mind are so important. Yeah, couldn't agree more. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, that's it for uh, this episode, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you guys can all follow Gail on Instagram at Gail underscore McInnes. So it's G-A-I-L underscore M-C-I-N-N-E-S. Uh, of course, you can follow the podcast at Coming Up In My Sneakers. And if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts and you liked uh, this episode or p- our past episodes, um, I would love if you gave me a five-star review. That would be awesome. Uh, otherwise, I will talk to you guys next week. Have a great one and don't get caught wearing dirty sneakers. Bye.